2: Templer?
0: Mr. Templer. I'm asleep. Mr. Templer. Noisy dream. You're not dreaming, That's Mr. That's what Templer. you say.
3: I'm alone in my bedroom. I'm in bed. It's oh, dark. Oh, but
0: you're not alone. I'm here. Go away. I'm sorry. I didn't climb into your bedroom in the middle of the night merely to go away again. What did you expect? A 21-gun salute? I expect your attention. You can't see me, can you? No. I'd be even happier if I couldn't hear you. But I can see you, however... You're silhouetted against the window behind you. That was cunning of me. It helps me aim the gun I'm
3: pointing at you. I'm so glad. I'd hate to have your aim suffer. What do I do now? Get up, put the lights on, and... You don't do anything of the kind. No? Why? Are you shy? Yes. Yeah.
0: Let's say I'm shy.
3: <laughs> That's why you insist on holding this conversation with me in the dark. The conversation, obviously, that wouldn't be about the weather. What would it be about? Well... I'm a writer. A writer and shy? Nonsense. I need some advice. The only advice I can give all writers is don't. I'm writing a book about murder. I'm
0: calling it the story of a perfect crime. Sounds interesting. Thank you. What I came here for was to have you tell me whether or not the murder my book deals with is really a perfect crime. Go on. The man to be murdered, in my book that is, suffers from heart disease. He's a completely unpleasant character, a financier and a crooked one. A man who deserves to die. Mm-hmm, and he suffers from heart disease. For this condition, he takes daily at stated hours capsules containing medicine. Capsules upon which his life depends. Now then, the murderer, in my book that is, decides to poison the financier. Well, that's not cricket. No, it's murder. Murder that will be poisoning without poison I'm waiting breathlessly for the next chapter the murderer steals one of the capsules pours the medicine out and replaces the medicine with powdered sugar he returns the capsule to the financier's pillbox in due course the financier reaches the capsule takes it his weak heart lacking the medicine he needs fails and there you have poisoning without poison Mmm, very ingenious (laughs) I think so The poisoner can't be traced through the poison he purchased because he didn't purchase any. The murdered man is assumed to have died a natural death. An autopsy will show no poison in his body since there wasn't any. (laughs) Well, is it the perfect crime?
3: I can't see any flaws in it. Good.
0: And if you can't, I don't imagine the critics will. Don't you mean the uh, police? The police. Why should the police be interested in a book I'm writing? Why should the critics be interested in the murder you're committing? You're not serious. You are. I... I rather think I must leave now. Be getting light soon. No, no, don't move. I still have the gun pointing at you. If I had to shoot you, it wouldn't be a perfect crime, but you'd be dead nonetheless. (laughs) But that wouldn't interest you, would it? Well, good night, Mr. Templer, and... uh... Pleasant dreams? Thanks. Loads. Coffee?
3: Your toast, Mr. Templar, And the morning paper. Oh, thank you. Uh, you're up early this morning, aren't you? I, uh, I couldn't sleep. Hey... Any resemblance between this toast and toast is purely coincidental. What does your chef do, tan the stuff? Oh, no, Mr. Templer. He probably uses old shoe leather. Hey, what's the matter? Don't you like the headlines? Can't say that I do. Frank A. Clark, noted financier, dies of heart attack as police arrest him for alleged embezzlement. Oh.
2: Was he a friend of yours, Mr. Templer?
3: No. But he was a financier. He was crooked. And he had a weak heart. No wonder he died when he got arrested. Depends on whether he took medicine in uh, capsules. What depends on that, sir? Murder, my friend. Murder. Taxi. Hey,
4: taxi.
3: Out of all the taxicabs in this city,
4: why do I keep getting yours? Out of all the fares in this city, why do I keep getting you?
3: You have a point there. I'll
4: go right home and shop. you stay where you are. You want to go home with me? No. What's the matter with my home?
3: Nothing. But... I
4: live there, don't I? My wife lives there. My kids live there. You
3: have no children. Don't get
4: personal. I'm sorry. Man spends every spare minute he's got hoping. Louis. Did Julius Caesar have children? Did Alexander the Great have children? Did Napoleon have children?
3: Yes. Me, they didn't send an announcement to. Louis, will you please drive me to 1893 Waterview Drive? I'm in a hurry. Okay, okay.
4: <laughs> 1893 Waterview
3: Drive. Who lives there? A gentleman named Frank A. Clark. Except that he doesn't live there, Louie. He's, uh, dead there. <laughs>
4: going to keep company with a corpse, Mr. Templer?
3: I am going to visit his surviving relatives, if any. Why? Does it occur to you that it might be none of your business? Sure. It's none of your business? Well, now that
4: we got that clear, why are you going to visit his relatives? Louis, stop the car, quick. Louis, okay. ah! stop. What happened?
3: We've reached 1893 Waterview Drive. Oh, I'm careless about little details like that. <laughs> Here, Louie, and don't forget to mention it to your income tax collector. I'll write to him. Hey, don't you want me to wait? No, but you will, Louie. You will.
1: Hello. Hello there.
3: Hello. Uh, This is the Clark home, isn't it?
1: Sure, and I'm a Clark niece. And you're...
3: Simon Templer, uh, an old friend of your uncle's.
1: You're not old. Well, I... And you're not a friend of my uncle's. Come in anyway. Oh, thank you. Because maybe you can be a friend of mine.
3: Oh. In here. Uh, Tell me, uh, do you need a friend?
1: No, but I like them when they're as tall as you. Oh, my name is Inez. Inez Francis.
3: I'm very glad to know you, Miss Francis.
1: It probably won't be when you really get to know me.
3: Hmm. I realize perhaps I shouldn't have come today. You must be all broken up by your uncle's death. Who, me? Well... Perhaps the family. Oh,
1: that's me. I'm the family.
3: Your uncle must have been a lonely man.
1: No, he didn't mind. He had me in the market and all those people he was swindling. Oh, and of course he had Mr. Hartzel and Charlie Melvin.
3: Who are Hartzell and Charlie Melvin?
1: Charlie's sort of a weedy youth. Uncle's secretary. Very anemic. I ignore him. And Hartsell? Uncle's lawyer. And I fondly suspect as big a crook as Uncle was. But very spatted, you know.
3: Spatted? Uh Uh-huh.
1: On the shoes, and gardenia in the buttonhole, and I have a sneaking suspicion whiskey in the liver.
3: How untidy. Uh, nobody else close to Uncle? Nope. Well, then it boils down to one of you three. What does? Who's happy now that Uncle's dead?
1: I am Hartzell is. Charlie is.
3: That covers the field. Why?
1: Uncle had a lot of money. I get it now. Hartzell stole some money from Uncle. He won't go to jail now. Charlie was implicated in Uncle's crooked deal. Charlie won't go to jail now. Mm.
3: And uh, who has a, a deep, slightly hoarse voice? I don't. No. Which means that you're not the one who came to my room last night.
1: No, but if you ask prettily, perhaps I'll come tonight. I know. But... To look at your etchings.
3: I don't have any etchings.
1: I'll bring some with me.
3: Um, are the others around? Mm
1: hmm sitting around practicing grief-stricken looks for the funeral. That happy event is this afternoon. I'd better get dressed for
3: it. But you are dressed.
1: But not for a funeral. Would you excuse me for just a minute?
3: Oh, of course. Oh. oh, here you are, Nia.
1: Greetings, Mr. Templer. This is Charlie. Charlie, this is Mr. Templer.
3: Glad to meet you. How do you do?
1: He doesn't. Entertain Mr. Templer for me, Charlie. i got to find a dress that's sad-looking. I'd like to stay and entertain you, but um, I've got to hurry. You see, I'm Mr. Clark's secretary.
3: In his condition, and I... he doesn't need a secretary. <laughs>
1: well, I'm Mr. Clark's former secretary. No, no, I'm the former Mr. Clark's...
3: No, <laughs> I get I... it now. Relax.
1: Oh, I'm relaxed.
3: Well, then why are you in such a hurry?
1: Well, I have to go out and hire some mourners, haven't I? Why? Well, it wouldn't look nice if there were only three of us at the funeral. I nears Mr. Hartzell and myself.
3: No, especially since you'll all be grinning from ear to ear. May I ask you a question? Of course. Has your voice ever been deeper?
2: Deep? <laughs> heaven no. <laughs> ta
3: Goodbye. Charlie, my boy. Or is he my boy? Oh, but... oh good morning. <laughs> good morning. Uh, my name is Templar, and I'm... Uh, Hartsell is my name. I- I'm sorry. I-, I can't talk to you now. I'm in a hurry. Why? Uh, my tailor's expecting me. Your tailor? You'd hardly expect me to attend Mr. Clark's funeral in this, would you? Impossible. Uh, you see? Uh, so, if you don't mind, I'll just run along. Oh. Yes? What are you doing here? Looking for a man with a deep voice. Oh, sorry, mine isn't. But why are you looking for a man with a deep voice? He told me how Mr. Clark was murdered. Well, that explains it. What? Yes, he was murdered. But, but Mr. Clark died of heart failure. Indeed. You must be a... a I demand an explanation immediately. You've forgotten one thing, Mr. Hartford. What's that? Your tailor is waiting. But I... And tailors are sometimes very temperamental. Besides, we can discuss this some other time. This evening? This evening. Uh, here's my card. I, I'd appreciate your coming. If Mr. Clark was murdered, something must be done about it. Something will be.
4: and breathe with difficulty, Templer. Hello, Desmond. <laughs> what happy winds waft you hither, Simon the Suttle. Uh, Desmond, I'm not an audience. Oh, Templer, I'm an old ham. And contrary to what they say, hams do not improve by aging. Still the gay adventurer? Well, I'm not especially gay at the moment. Murder. Oh, the last murder that was of any interest to me was that Elsinore thing. You know, when Claudius and Gertrude put their heads together and slipped Gertrude's royal husband... A slug of poison in the ear. I remember it well. And the fat prince, uh, uh, Hamlet, I think his name was, mooned about like a ninny, sending Ophelia to a watery grave and the rest of the cast to a most bloody one.
3: <laughs> you, you would have made a good Hamlet.
4: Bless you! Oh, I, I wanted to play Hamlet. Instead, they preferred me as a ventriloquist, confound them. That's why I'm
3: here. You've been a ventriloquist. I'm involved in a case which hangs on the identity of a voice. Desmond, could anyone change his voice so that it would be completely different from his real voice?
4: Oh, yes. But you'd always know that the second voice wasn't natural.
3: That does it, then.
4: Does what, Simon?
3: Look, Desmond, three people wanted a man named Clark dead. Clark is dead.
4: Presumably, therefore, one of the three killed Clark.
3: Yes. Now, I was told of the method whereby Clark was going to be killed. By a very distinctive voice in the dark. Therefore, the problem was simple find which of my three suspects had a voice like that and go on from there. Well? Not one of the three has that kind of voice, which leaves me with an interesting problem, but leaves a murderer free to go on murdering. <laughs> nearest bookstore. You
4: can't have it. It belongs to a guy named Pestlethwaite.
3: Would you please drive me there quickly?
4: Okay. What's the matter? suddenly decided you want to curl up in front of a fire with a good
3: book? Uh, For that, I'd rather have Inez. Uh, No, Louie, I merely want to find out how a man can die of poisoning without being poisoned.
4: very long. What's the matter? He didn't like
3: Pestlethwaite? Uh, he didn't have the book I wanted. I know, a place... Uh, not that kind of book, Louie. What I wanted was a book on heart diseases.
4: Oh, life reading, huh? Interesting. Heart diseases?
3: These stores had one book on heart disease in stock until yesterday. So? Yesterday, the book was sold to a man, Pestlethwaite told me, who behaved in a strenuously agitated fashion. A man named...
4: Hartzell. Maybe the name was bothering you. Which reminds me, where am I taking you?
3: Naturally, Louis, to a man named Hartso. Hartso in or uh, on his way to Mexico or. Uh... Mr. Templer Yes, Mr. Hart. Come in, come in at once Oh, thank you Oh, I'm jittery That that funeral this afternoon I see Well, have you tried reading? It's very soothing I have no patience with books Now, uh, please, Tom Not even books on heart disease? Hmm? Why? Uh, Excuse me Hello? Oh, yes, Honez What? Oh, how dreadful
4: Oh, yes, at once Goodbye
3: You're pale I'm shocked Charlie Melvin. You know him? Mr. Clark's secretary. Yes, well, it seems that something's happened to him. Why? He's dead. (laughs) Tell him to hurry, temper hurry. Uh, We're almost there. Mr. Hartzell, did Arnaz say who discovered the body? Oh yes, she did. She'd been visiting some friends, returned home, and couldn't have been an accidental death. Coincidence doesn't stretch that far. You know, if he was murdered, you still think the police believe Clark was murdered, too? Not the police. Me.
1: Oh, Mr. Hartwell. Oh, siren. Hello, Ines. Uh, Come in getting to be embarrassing all of a sudden death.
3: It might be more than embarrassing. It might be fatal.
1: It was, but Charlie...
3: How did it happen?
1: He shot himself.
3: The police, have I just phoned him. Well, then we'd better hurry. Come on.
1: Well, this is his room in here. I heard the shot... When? About an hour ago.
3: But you phoned Hartzell here only 15 minutes ago.
1: I didn't know it was a shot at first. Charlie was supposed to come upstairs. When he didn't, I realized... Well, there he is.
3: Yes. Yes, definitely dead, and... Note oh, Imagine that boy committing suicide Let's see what the note says I killed Clark Because if he'd been arrested I would have gone to jail too But now the police suspect He was murdered And they suspect me I might as well get it over with Before they do And it's signed, Charlie Melvin Well,
1: that sort of clears up that, doesn't it?
3: Yes, except for one thing What's that? Charlie's voice wasn't deep enough. Alexander Graham Bell's little invention should sometimes be strangled. I'm asleep and so should you be. Sampler? Yes. Hartzell?
4: Listen, I'm at the Ensign Club on Trocadero. Yes? Uh, I couldn't go home. Charlie's death so soon after Clark's me about?
3: I remember it very well.
4: I just heard it. What? Uh, the man with a voice like the one you described was here. I'll be right over. Uh, he's gone now, but I I followed him outside and heard
3: him give the cab driver his address. Good boy. I have my car. I'll pick you up immediately. Fine, fine. We can go right after him.
4: It's some distance outside the city. The
3: guide traveled to the North Pole for him. You don't measure miles when chasing phantoms. <laughs> Of course, I I can't be absolutely sure it's the man you want. Me, I'm grabbing at straws. But his voice did sound like your description. It was at a club to which Clark belonged. I'll make it worth a try. All I need is to hear him say something, anything, a word, a phrase, and I'll know. Oh, no, that shouldn't be difficult once we get to him. Once we get to him. Only thing worries me is uh, yes that his voice can still be heard by the time we get to him. To the North Pole, so you didn't take me literally, did you? Uh, you shouldn't be much farther. Uh, Templar. Yes? I don't understand about Charlie. I can't see him murdering Clark somehow. You don't believe he did it? Uh, do you? Not especially. Oh, why not? Well, I don't know. Intuition, maybe. Our little stranger likes seclusion, doesn't he? Uh, evidently. You know, uh, the police accepted that suicide note without question. Did they? Uh, there's the house. Oh, there aren't any lights showing. Well, he must have got here sometime before us. Uh, went to bed, I guess. Yeah, uh, probably. I wonder. Do you think he'll recognize you? Oh, probably. I couldn't see him, but he saw me. Well, that might be bad. Uh, are you armed in case he tries anything? No, but we'll manage. Well, suppose he refuses to to say anything at all. Well, that in itself would answer our question, wouldn't it? We uh, ring? Certainly. Nothing if not courteous. <laughs> it's so... Uh... So dark out here So far from anything Yeah, dark and lonely, you put it beautifully He... he doesn't answer Try the door Uh, Very well It's open Good, then we can walk right in I I can't see a thing Wait a minute, I'll light a match There, the light switch to your left, Hartzell Oh, yes, yes, of course That's much better Now, then, it's a very charming house you have here, Mr. Hart. What did you say? I said you have a very charming house here. My house? Well, you didn't really think I was fooled, did you? That voice you heard in your club was a fiction. It had to be. Our trip here was planned by you so that we'd be alone here.
4: why, Why would I want that?
3: The better to kill me, my friend. Kill you, you say? That's what I say. Why, why... Would I want to kill you? Because, like yourself, I think that suicide note of Charlie's was a fake. Oh, I never said... I did. It is a fake. How did you know? The note ran to the effect that Charlie was committing suicide because the police suspected him of murdering Clark. But the police didn't suspect Clark of being murdered. Uh, Perhaps not, but you did. Yes, but Charlie didn't know that, Mr. Hartsell. I didn't tell him. I... Very well... Just stay right where you are. Mm, What a handsome revolver. I did kill Charlie, so that there wouldn't be any investigation into Clark's death. I I, I couldn't afford that. If you kill me, there will be an investigation. No, because no one knows you came here with me. You're not going to die. You're going to disappear. Oh? In my furnace. I wouldn't like that too warm. I'm afraid your likes can no longer be considered. Well, in that case, I'll have a cigarette. I Dina, which pocket? Hey, hold on, no, I... Mr. Hart, could so you oh. want? Oh, my, you dropped your revolver. <laughs> now I have two. You... You said you weren't armed. I'm such a liar. But then you see, I knew when you asked me why you asked me. So, perhaps I'll be forgiven. Uh, Templar, I killed Charlie, but I didn't kill Clark. I swear I Good didn't. Good heavens, Mr. Hart, I never for a moment thought you did.
1: Beautiful night, time. Mm. Poor Mr. Hartzell, all shut up in a dungeon cell.
3: Yes, I'm afraid the beauties of the night are lost to him. Those beauties are also lost to Charlie and Mr. Clark. Mm,
1: don't be morbid. They're better off dead.
3: Well, it would have been nicer to leave that decision to them.
1: Mr. Hartzell, bless his fussy old soul, was really an impulsive man.
3: And a foolish one. Mm.
1: Let's not talk about him anymore. Let's talk Of about... your uncle. Why?
3: Because Hartzell didn't kill him.
1: Oh?
3: A man came to me in the middle of the night, in the darkness, so that I never saw him, and told me of a plan to murder Mr. Clark. It was a good plan, absolutely undetectable. man left. All through this case, I've been looking for a man with a voice like the one that told me of murder. And? There were three people involved. Yourself, who'd get the money if Clark died. Charlie, who'd be saved from jail. Hartzell, who'd be free of embezzlement. Mm.
1: Uncle certainly spread a lot of joy when he died
3: Charlie was murdered by Hartzell But Charlie's was not the voice that spoke to me Nor was Hartzell's
1: Then whose voice could it possibly have been? Mm,
3: That's the central problem All right, why did the man come to me in the first place?
1: According to you, to make sure his method of murder would never be detected But in
3: coming to me, my dear, didn't he make sure of the very opposite? Oh
1: Well, then he must have wanted you to... That's
3: right, that's right He wanted me to detect murder, but why? Obviously not because he was going to murder anyone.
1: I don't understand. The only
3: voice in this case that I haven't heard is the voice of your uncle.
1: My uncle?
3: He was my visitor.
1: But why?
3: Why did he do it? Because nobody was going to murder him?
1: What could he hope to accomplish?
3: What he did accomplish. Inez, your uncle was an old man with heart disease on the verge of being arrested for theft, swindling. He knew he wouldn't survive even the shortest prison term. He probably suspected that the strain of the arrest itself might be fatal. And it was. But before he died, he wanted revenge on the lawyer who cheated him and on the secretary who deserted him. So he came to me with his story, figuring that when he died perfectly naturally, murder would be suspected where no murder had taken place.
1: And I worked, didn't it? Because Hartzell killed Charlie. Hartzell himself is going to die for it.
3: Yes. Your uncle must have been quiet. Simon. Yes?
1: There's a moon. We've talked of unhappy things long enough. Mm-hmm. Got any itching?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Hey, wait a minute. I thought you didn't have any the last time I asked
3: you. The last time you asked me, my dear, you were a suspect for murder. Now? Now? Now you're beautiful, you're blonde, and... Yes. It's just plain Murder. <laughs>
2: listening to another transcribed adventure of The Saint, the Robin Hood of modern crime. And now here is our star, Vincent Price.
3: Ladies and gentlemen, poison doesn't always come in bottles, and it isn't always marked with the skull and crossbones of danger. Poison can take the form of words and phrases and acts, the venom of racial and religious hatred. Here in the United States, perhaps more than ever before, we must learn to recognize the poison of prejudice and to discover the antidote to its dangerous effects. Evidences of racial and religious hatred in our country place a potent weapon in the hands of our enemies, providing them with the ammunition of criticism. Moreover, group hatred menaces the entire fabric of democratic life. As for the antidote, you can fight prejudice, first by recognizing it for what it is, and second, by actively accepting or rejecting people on their individual worth, and by speaking up against prejudice and for understanding. Remember, freedom and prejudice can't exist side by side. If you choose freedom, fight prejudice. This is Vincent Price inviting you to join us again next week at the same time for another exciting adventure of The Saints. Good night.
2: The script of The Saint was written by Lewis Vittes. Our cast included Gene Bates, Lou Merrill, Fred Howard, Jack Edwards Jr., and Larry Dobkins. The music was composed and conducted by Vaughn Dexter. The Saint, based on characters created by Leslie Charteris, is a James L. Safier production and is directed by Helen Mack. Vincent Price is soon to be seen co-starring in RKO's production of His Kind of Woman. All you Saint fans will be glad to know that the Saint comic books are now on sale at all newsstands. Your announcer is Don Stanley. Programs, get your programs here. Tomorrow night, hear Nightbeat. The adventures of newspaper reporter Randy Stone is portrayed by Frank Lovejoy. Listen as Randy works the Nightbeat of a newspaper in search of unusual, interesting stories. That's Nightbeat tomorrow night. Next, Sam Spade cuts a caper. Then, Zeno Franciscotti plays on NBC.
4: When you visit Arizona,